Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Roundup. I have a bunch of news and announcements to talk about, and at the end I have Matt from Video Game Perfection talking about the release of the OSSC, as well as talking about his website and other things he's been working on. And also, I have a list compiled for everybody that wanted one of those SCART pass-through adapters. Um, And just to reiterate, this is literally just a pass-through. So you plug RCA cables on the top, it passes it through the SCART pins, it doesn't convert anything, it doesn't do anything, and you could probably only fit one on your average SCART switch anyway, because you have cables coming in from the top and from the side. Um, So for the people that ordered multiples, uh, if you want to change your order to one, it's no big deal, I get it. But I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows what they're getting before I put the order in, because, uh, you know, this is coming from Australia, so there's no way I'd be able to do returns on any of this stuff. Um, But I wanted one, I figured, uh, you know, this place doesn't normally ship internationally, so might as well just try to get it for all of us. Uh, So let me know, and I'll close the pre-orders on that by the end of the week. And this isn't something I'm normally going to be doing. This is just like, I wanted one. I wanted everybody I know that needs one to have one. So uh, it's not like a product I'll be carrying or anything. But um, if you need one, make sure to let me know by the end of this week. And then I'm just going to buy them. And whenever they get here, I'll email everybody, ask for PayPal payment, and go from there. So it should be pretty easy. Um, But for now, let's jump right into the news. First up is the release of the NES Classic. I did a full page on it as well as a video review, but just to give a quick summary, um, it seems to be the perfect device for somebody who hasn't played Nintendo since they were a kid and just want to play a couple games on their TV. Um, From that perspective, no complaints at all, and people would be really happy. If you're watching this roundup, though, you're probably like me and really just want more out of your consoles. You don't want any lag, you want it to look right, and although you guys might probably buy it uh, just to have on your shelves as a neat collector's item, because it is a pretty neat collector's item, uh, I re- really don't think anybody that watches this show would call it the best solution for playing NES games on an HD TV. But I'm glad I got a chance to mess with it, and uh, the review's up there for anybody that's interested. Also, it looks like a couple guys on the Assembler, uh, Assembler Games forum found out that if you plug it directly into a PC, nothing happens. But if you plug it in and then hold the reset button down as you're plugging it in, it actually shows up as a hardware device because the power is actually a a micro USB power slot. So that's pretty neat. That'll lead to eventually some hacking. Um, And a Japanese website also has more info on kind of digging into it and seeing what they can do. So it looks like it can be hacked. It's probably just going to be really hard, and you might even have to desolder components or even solder a programmer directly to it. So at the very least, it might be a fun hacking thing that we could play with later on. But still glad I got mine, and check out the link in the description if you would like to see the video. Of course, after the NES Classic was released, a bunch of companies um, actually announced accessories for it. Some are available now, like a wireless controller for it, and one that looks just like the NES Advantage stick for it. And Hyperkin announced that there are pre-orders available for an extension cable, which is great. Um, because the controller that came with the NES Classic has a really short cable. And they also have an adapter cable that's kind of like an extension cable, but the other end is for an original Nintendo controller, so you'd be able to use your original controller on it as well. Now that being said, it is Hyperkin who is notorious for, you know, putting up a pre-order and then not shipping for a year, so who knows if they'll actually be released. But unlike the Retron 5 and some of their other stuff, uh, Hyperkin's accessories have actually been pretty good, Um, So let's cross our fingers, and if you were looking to use original controllers on the NES Classic, maybe that's a good way to do it. To be honest, though, the controller that came with it was really, really true to the original. I mean, it really felt like I was using an original Nintendo controller. But it's up to you, and I'll leave the links in the description. It looks like Game Tech received the latest batch of high-def NES boards. 
So hopefully uh, he'll be able to get to most of the pre-orders that had been placed. And in my opinion, this is really a better option than the NES Classic for any serious Nintendo fans. This and the AVS, of course, depending on your needs. So I'm really happy he's got him in, uh, and I really, really like the way he's been doing this. So if you want a high-def NES, you just buy it from his site, and that purchase puts you in a queue. So you don't have to worry about a pre-order list or anything like that. You just buy it, and then you could actually select if you want it shipped to you or if you want it shipped directly to the modder of your choice, which is really awesome. So that way you could just kind of work out a deal with your modder, pay for the modding service, ship your console, you know, buy the high-def NES board, and then just walk away and wait. You don't have to worry about anything else. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I think he received a good portion of them, so uh, a lot of people will be receiving theirs. Uh, but he's leaving the pre-orders open all the time, so um, if you're interested in one, just go right to his site and pick it up, and I'll leave a link in the description. Next, Voltar just listed the Nintendo 64 RGB boards that he talked about for sale on his website. So this was the board that we talked about during his interview a few weeks ago. It was actually one of the many boards we talked about. That's a basic N64 RGB install. So just to very quickly reiterate, um, in my opinion, you could break the Nintendo 64 RGB mods into two categories now, advanced and basic. Advanced can be installed in any N64 and usually offer some kind of advanced features like uh, possible de-blur firmware or even 480p doubling. And the basic ones can only use the original Nintendo 64s with the NS1 serial numbers on them. And those are the motherboards that are go up to revision dash 04. So Voltar's board uh, is similar to the original ones that were released in the fact that it pulls RGB from the typical points you would get them from on the motherboard, but it uses an updated chip, the 7374, which is a little bit clearer, and it also has a sync stripper built in, which is awesome. That's uh, kind of a big deal for a lot of people with sensitive setups. So I have the instructions on my website as well as uh, an installation video, which I've never actually done a full installation video before, so I don't know if it's going to suck or not, but hopefully it doesn't. Um, so if anybody's interested, definitely check it out, because if you're looking for a basic R uh, N64 RGB mod, which is what I generally use, um, then this is probably the perfect board for you. So uh, definitely check it out and leave any feedback if you have any thoughts on uh, my installation video, the board itself, or anything else. And hopefully uh, Voltar will have a bunch of other new products up for sale soon. Ooh, one more quick thing about the Voltar N64 board. Right as I was recording this, somebody actually emailed me and asked if I could use this on a SNES. So, no, don't do that. I mean, technically, I guess you could, but um, there's specific boards being released for the SNES that have all the correct options on it and the correct levels, and those are probably a week or two away. So definitely, the N64 board, use that only for the N64 and wait on the SNES stuff. Um, and if you want any more information on that, definitely just check out the interview with Voltar from a few weeks ago. So I just wanted to make sure to add this in. Next, the company Inti Creates is teaming up with Sunsoft for a reboot of the Blaster Master series. It looks like the first game will be available on the 3DS and probably in spring 2017. So I just thought that was cool for fans of the original Blaster Master game. It looks like the Neo SD ROM cart is supposedly shipping on November 15th. So that's not Darksoft's ROM cart. That is the one from a totally different team that only plays on the stand-up Neo Geo arcades or obviously the home consoles with an adapter. Um, and also, it looks like they got their load times down from four minutes to, you know, about a minute, I guess, which is, you know, that's a huge difference in my opinion. So at least they're making progress, and uh, I really can't wait to check out all the uh, Darksoft's work as well, because I've been following that project from the beginning, and I'm really hoping to finally get a working ROM cart for my home Neo Geo system. So I saw on Jason from GameTech's Twitter feed that somebody had posted an AVS prototype for 3200. And it got me really annoyed. Like, it just seems like whoever would do that would, is just taking advantage of people and trying to make an extra buck. Um, I contacted Retro USB directly and asked if this was them, and they um, verified and guaranteed that no, they are not trying to peddle one of their prototypes for 3200 bucks. 
I couldn't imagine that Brian would do that anyway, to be honest, but I'm glad they responded pretty quickly and said it's not them. Um, I guess some of their original prototypes went out to people and uh, for testing, um, and they said they can keep them and do whatever you want with them, just like, you know, just like anything. Once you buy it, it's yours. So uh, I guess the original prototype and tester, somebody sold that to somebody else, and that's who's trying to sell it for $3,200 on eBay. So that's just awful and price gouging, and it's almost as bad as the people that listed the Nest Classic on eBay for a couple of grand. That actually did happen. If you, they might even still be up um, by the time that uh, this video airs, which I hope nobody was dumb enough to buy that. But hey, we'll see. So yeah, it's just I don't know. I I, I don't want to make these uh, roundups negative because I really enjoy doing them, and I really love just kind of having a. Uh, a way to talk to the retro gaming crowds, but at the same time, I always feel the need to kind of mention whenever something shitty like this comes up, both to warn everybody and just so we could all make sure to to kind of police the community ourselves for stuff like this, because I certainly would never do anything like that, and I would say everybody that I talk to on a regular basis would never do this either. So, yeah, stay away from a $3,200 prototype. And on a much lighter note, somebody made dominoes that are based on the Zelda Wind Waker game. And although I really wouldn't call this, you know, retro gaming news, check that out. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? And uh, links in the description for anybody listening on the podcast. Next up, it seems that Nintendo is going to be selling a 3DS console on sale for just $100 on Black Friday. It's not the XL model, uh, and it's only one type, but it's a pretty significant discount. For anybody that's not an American, um, Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the day we celebrate when Europeans came to America and then murdered all of the Native Americans, but then started calling them Indians because they thought they were in India. And then Black Friday is the day after that big American retailers decided to tell people that they're going to put stuff on sale so that stupid Americans can stand out line out in line at 2 o'clock in the morning waiting for a store to open so that we could stampede inside to try to get our flat-screen TV for $50 off. Stuff like this makes me embarrassed to tell people I live in America, and I re- really just, it annoys me to death. But if you need to get a cheap uh, 3DS for whatever reason, go for it. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know if they're going to make you stand out in the cold or just refresh your page a thousand times. Uh, but yeah, good luck, and uh, I'm sorry if anybody has to suffer through Black Friday hell if you work in retail. My condolences. Next, the Nanoloop Mono is up for pre-order, and that's kind of a, a chiptunes Game Boy thing, which isn't something I actually even knew about until a few years ago, and once I, I discovered it, I thought it was really awesome. But people basically take uh, old Game Boys and use their sound chips to generate music. So the Nano Nanoloop Mono is a device that just plugs directly into the Game Boy, and uh, you could kind of use it to program your own music on and to make songs and stuff. Uh, so anybody that's into chiptunes is probably laughing at my description of all this. But if you're not into it, check it out and check out some of the chiptunes audio because I think it's pretty awesome. Last week, I mentioned an article that said that the Wii U production was stopping. Um, and on Nintendo Japan's website, it actually seems like they're only stopping certain models, which makes perfect sense. I mean, you're not going to keep everything in full production. And they said they're only going to discontinue certain production in Japan. So I'm not really sure what that means, but um, this all makes sense now. And I, I would assume uh, that probably within a year, they're only going to have one model Wii U being produced, if at all. So uh, it makes a lot more sense now than just halting all production, and I think any reasonable company would do that anyway. So if you still need a Wii U, you should probably still be able to get it for at least another year. I found kind of a cool mobile game I figured I would just talk very quickly about, but it's called Run Gun Jump Gun. And it's a game where it's designed for touchscreen controls, and it's designed to be played in short bursts. So unlike, you know, a Sonic level or a Mario level where you have to sit down and really dedicate a couple of minutes to it, this is perfect for on-the-go stuff. Um, And it's retro-styled, which is fun. Sometimes it kind of fails when they do that, but I like this one. And I love how it doesn't have a D-pad, you know, because the whole point of a D-pad is you feel it with your thumb. I really hate most of those digital touchscreen controls. This is, you know, it's designed to be used on a phone. And I thought it was pretty fun. And it's kind of hard and challenging. A lot of the levels you have to do, you know, many times. But because they're super short levels, it's a lot less frustrating than if, you know, you got four minutes into a level, died, and have to go back at the beginning. 
But it was actually pretty funny because I saw a, a written review on it somewhere, and I tweeted my friend the Game Hunter, who he does all of the mobile reviews for video games, and I kind of said, "Hey, this looks cool, but uh, you know, I'm not going to buy it until you give it, you know, you give it your blessing." And he was actually in the middle of reviewing it when I tweeted him, so it's a uh, kind of a fun little coincidence, but. He liked it a lot. I have uh, I have his video up here right now for anybody watching on YouTube, and I'll put links in the description. But I kind of like stuff like this, and I hope there's a – maybe I'll even start like a repository so somebody could just go and, and wants to play a retro-styled game that has good controls on your phone. You know, I had originally listed a few on my the mobile section of my site, which never really took off. People didn't really seem to be going to it, but – Maybe there's another wiki we could just add all this stuff to because there's definitely a time, especially when I used to travel all the time, where like I would love to play games on my phone because you never know when you're going to get stuck for 20 minutes just waiting. You know, it's different if you know you're going to be on your plane, bring your 3DS, or if you're crazy like me and Scott, bring your Game Gear or your Atari Lynx or whatever. Um, but, you know, the whole point of having games on your phone is you never know when you're going to need to kill you know, some time, and, and it's perfect to already have the games on on a device that you'll have with you always anyway. So if anybody has any ideas or anybody knows a good repository, like maybe there's a Reddit um, thing but please let me know in the description, and uh, maybe we could all just contribute whatever we think the good, you know, good, cheap mobile games that uh, kind of give it a good retro throwback. You know, that 2D side-scroller, we could put them all in one place. And lastly for the news, uh, last night Scott texted me this picture. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I had to know what the hell it was, and I guess it's a Vectrix 3D imager, and it's not the original, because those sell for thousands. This is like a uh, a fan-made one that they sell on a website. So, uh, I am absolutely dying to check this out. Scott gave it rave reviews, uh, and hopefully I'll get him on next week to explain what it is, uh, depending how long it takes. Maybe we'll just do a separate YouTube video on it. So, if there's any Vectrix fans, please post in the comments, and post if there's anything specifically that you want to know about it. But, yeah, and then, uh, of course, when I was uh, texting Scott about it, he then said that, which I was just laughing my ass off and had to make one myself. So, yeah, I just figured I would pass it along, and hopefully there'll be a pretty cool video soon that kind of shows what it's like and how it works. Now on to the Q&As. Uh, Woozle, the creator of the Game Boy Advance TV out and that new SNES analog-to-digital out project, uh, is actually posted in the comments and had a few little updates. Um, he said the initial design will be an internal mod, but he might be able to actually do external versions later, depending on what happens. Um, and he actually added a PCB that has everything on it on OSH Park, um, and he's kind of tweaked it to be used in multiple consoles as well. So it's still undergoing changes, but it's a first draft, and he is moving forward with it. So for people that just need uh, you know, a higher quality analog to digital converter for individual consoles, this is a great project. I think your average person would probably end up getting an open source scan converter or a frame meister, but I still, like, I'm definitely going to get one. I would love one of these, and I think it absolutely has a place uh, for the retro gaming community. So, as always, I'll keep everybody updated if there's any, uh, if there's any news on that and if there's any release, uh, release dates or pre-orders. Next, Marak Steel posted in regards to that N64 Retrobit 8-bit Do controller that I talked about last week. And he said he actually got one, and it feels good, but not as good as the quality of the other 8-bit-2 controllers. It's more along the lighter, plaster, cheaper construction of the other retro bits. So that's kind of what the consensus was for a few other people. Um, but hopefully it'll be at least better than some of the other low-quality retro-bit controllers they'd released. So uh, thanks for letting me know, and uh, hopefully we'll see more of this stuff that's just higher quality. Lastly, Chad Kruger had a question about the Atari mods, um, and he brought up the point that my website still has all of the older Atari consoles on one page. I'm sorry about that. I really am trying to catch up with everything and have everything all separated. Same thing with the PlayStation page. But um, So for now, the Atari 2600, it's my opinion that Tim's kit produces the best quality video, even better uh, S-video output than just your standard S-video mods. So if you have an Atari 2600 and you plan on, you know, oh, I just need an S-video mod, I'm only using it on, you know, an NTSC CRT, 
I would actually spend the money and get the full RGB kit that has both, just knowing that maybe someday you'll end up with a PVM or a Frame Meister or something, just because if you're going to spend the money, might as well spend a little more and kind of do it all right the first time. Um, if you're sure you're only going to do S-Video, then, you know, that's fine. There's still a bunch of cheap mods easily available. But for now, this 5200 and the 7800, there are no official RGB mods for them yet. Um, last week I did talk about that board that could be compatible with the 5200, but as of now there's nothing for the 7800 yet. Um, Tim said he tested the 2600 RGB kit in the 7800, and it worked when playing 2600 games, but not 7800. So I guess they're really, for the moment, if you wanted to do 5200 or 7800, just stick with the basic S-Video or composite mods that you can do to it. Um, and Chad also asked about the power mod for the 5200, so you don't need to use that RF adapter, which the power plugs into. Um, I actually don't own a 5200, so if anybody could post in the comments links to the correct power mod, um, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, I would obviously link back to it on my website as well, because I think that sounds like something that would be very helpful. Uh, so, a bunch of good questions. Uh, sorry I don't have better answers for all of them, but hopefully I was able to update and tell you what you needed to hear. Okay, up next I have Matt from Video Game Perfection. Um, I've known Matt for a couple of years now. Uh, I always got along really well with him and, uh, you know, completely trusted him to the point where when we would share orders on some of the RGB boards, I would just ship him and tell him to pay me after he received him. I mean, I just, after working with him for a couple of years, he's definitely somebody I would consider trustworthy, um, which is also why I was kind of hard on him uh, in the interview, because this is somebody that I know is doing things for the right reasons, and he's definitely not ripping anybody off. So I felt very comfortable just kind of pushing him hard on the release of the OSSC and how he's doing it in other ways, because I know he's doing a great job and he's doing his best. So, uh, you know, sorry to Matt for being a little hard on you, but it was with the best intentions. And um, although the interview wasn't as exciting as some of the other ones I've, uh, I've done lately, but um, it's informative and it really just, it brings up a question, a very important question about what we do in the retro gaming community when we have projects we all like. You know, do we all throw our money into the pot, do a pre-order, and then wait as long as it takes? You know, do we do a mailing list style? So it's really just, uh, we need to find a better solution for it. And hopefully something like this conversation would be a good start. Uh, so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if not, you know, comments and criticism are always appreciated. So feel free to post away. Uh, and if not, see you guys next week. Hey, guys, I'm here with Matt from Video Game Perfection. How's it going, man? Hi, not bad, you? Pretty good. You know, it's yeah. funny, we've been working together for a couple of years now, and I think this is the first time we've ever even spoken. I think uh, certainly the first time we've Skype chatted. So Yeah, I, I think it is, yeah. yeah it's kind of funny. Um, so for uh, for anybody here that's not totally familiar with Matt's work, um, he runs videogameperfection.com, which I guess, how would you really describe that? Like a blog that reviews retro video game related stuff? It certainly started as that. That was kind of the intention. Um, but I had a load of other websites at the time and I wanted to expand and, and I looked at running a store and I thought, well, what can I sell? And, and the RGB amps from you, I think were one of the first things that we started selling. And then since I had all the infrastructure in there, it sort of grew from that, trying to find little niche things that other companies weren't, weren't doing. So you said you had a couple of other websites. Um, what other things do you do? Like, how did you get into running this website? My other website is actually um, beginner tutorials for, for like Windows boxes, mm -hmm. and, which I started as a hobby project, just programming fruit machines or, or bandits or what would you call them, slots in America, like you get at Vegas? Yeah, yeah. With the reels and the fruits and things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, was my, that was my job, but the company was sort of going down, and so I thought I better try and find a contingency and... And it did eventually uh, close. And so I gave it a shot sort of running websites full time. And that's how I fell into this, really. Yeah, cool. So your other one your, um, is your tutorial site. Is that like your day job now or is that just still hobby status? It kind of was almost, almost did become a day job, you know, almost make enough money. Then Adblock sort of 
Ong and scuppered it, but you know that's a whole can of worms getting into into the ethics of adblock. So it's kind of lucky that, that video game perfection is also generating money as well now. So gotcha. So how did you get into starting that? Are you just a retro video game fan? Were you always kind of playing these things? Yeah, um, the the whole idea with the little websites was you found a niche that you knew something about that you thought people wanted to know about. So Obviously, with the tutorials, there seemed to be like a lack of really basic tutorials for like your grandma and granddad. And the the video game perfection thing, there was a lot of video gaming sites, but none really focused on sort of like an audio file, video file kind of level. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yours was up before mine, Um, at least a few years, I think, because when I first started mine, uh, your uh, SCART Switch review was one of the few things I was actually able to find that wasn't just a forum thing. It was actually like a real review of it. Yeah, yeah. So the, the Yeah, main... so there's certainly... Mm-hmm. Go on. Um, so certainly, the... it's, uh, you've said there's like a, a niche for that kind of thing, isn't there? If you, as you found as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess... Uh, so the main the main posts that you would put up now, yeah, both then and now, seem like, uh, like review blog entry style. Is that correct? It's not like... I think, um, I don't think you, do you have many tutorials on there at the moment? It's mostly just reviews and comparisons, correct? Yeah, I, I, I do want it to carry on being a, a website, not just a store. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I do put reviews and guides and, and things and anything that I think is useful. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I found the store useful, especially because, um, you know, when a bunch of us started selling stuff, there was nobody in the UK. So uh, you having uh, stuff for sale there really just, you know, we need a few more touch points around the world, but that'll make shipping easier for everybody, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, for the whole of Europe, I mean, political situation with Stan still quite good for that, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, too, because uh, I'm not into politics or anything at all. I don't. I try not to pay attention to anything. But the one thing I have started to notice a lot about is import-export taxes, general taxes for companies, which countries have restrictions. Because for, you know, all of America's gigantic faults, I mean, anybody could just, like, you log on to a website now. You can go to LegalZoom.com and have a company by the end of the week. You know, if you start yeah. on Monday morning, by Friday night, you could be officially legally a company with the bank account and, you know, full tax breaks and everything. And it just uh, it doesn't seem to be the, the norm across the world. A lot of people end up having to spend a lot of money, um, and it's still, you know, tightly regulated and fees everywhere you go. So did you have to run into a lot of that when you were starting your store? No, that's the nice thing about the UK as well. You can earn up to a certain amount before you worry about anything other than basic income tax. So at the moment as well, we can sell all across Europe um, without even so much as a customs form to sell to places like Germany, France, and, and whatnot. But um, for some reason, they want us to leave all that behind, and <laughs> I don't know why. But Yeah. Yeah, the German custom forms were always... Uh, it took a while to get used to for me for shipping. That's why I like to use a lot of the um, automated shipping services like PayPal's, because that was a little crazy. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, uh, you still sell a couple of different RGB amps and things, um, and then... You have a, a modding service on there as well. Is that um, you know, is that something you do? Do you partner up with other people? Yeah, I, I normally find a lot of the modders are here just advertise on forums, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them really want to get more business. So I say, well, what I'll do, I'll put it up on my site. You don't pay me a penny unless anyone actually orders, and then I just take a small cut off of that and do all the customer service and all the back end billing updates to the order all that kind of thing yeah that's actually really helpful because there's a couple of modders out there now that are getting so swamped they're having a hard time dealing with the email side of things then having a middleman to you know so the only person the the modder actually exchanges emails with would be the person like you the middleman that just makes everybody's life so much easier so the customers that you know just spent 200 bucks but you know don't know the status of their console yet shoot you a quick email, you shoot them right back, and sometimes you don't yeah. even need to go to the modder because you already know the status of everything. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, the margins on that are very, very small, but I like to have it because I it's a service I use myself, and I think it's good for the community. So, 
Yeah, I agree. I wish more people would adopt something like that. And I think a few people are. I believe um, Brian from Retro USB, uh, I think he has at least one person helping him out with that stuff. And it, uh, it seems to be a huge help to certain people. So, so you yeah. um, now you offer modding services, um, and it's, uh, it's pretty much anything for any console. Is there stuff that you guys limit yourself to? Or? The guy who's working with me at the moment is specialist in... Um, arcade PCB jammer repairs and he'd actually not done very many console mods at all so right now we're sort of learning as we go along it's like I'll pick up a cheap Mega Drive Genesis from eBay and say look why don't you mod this and we'll sell it on just so you get the experience and we're building it up quite a bit like that so far that's why you'll see all the mods for the SNES at the moment but not all the mods for the Genesis yet because we're still working on it but Gotcha. And is that where some of the uh, the GameCubes that you had up for sale came about? They were just like uh, practice units that you guys got working and then just got rid of some of the prototypes? Yeah, the first, the one we sold was a prototype, yeah. I, actually, I keep getting bugged about that. It's Every time we think we've got that down, something comes up. We're, we're not sure what it is, but we think there might be a bug in, in, in the actual code at the moment. Every so often, you'll get picture noise and... Um, so that's why we haven't been selling that yet until we're hundred percent confident. But. Gotcha. And those are like the those are using the basic FPGA kits that you would have to hand assemble and install in there, right? You guys didn't make a custom PCB for that or anything? Oh no, we've got a custom PCB now. Um oh. well, it's not not strictly ours. It's um a guy in Europe, I've forgotten his handle now, but yeah, it's his and he wanted to sell it sort of through us with us doing the fitting and him selling the DIY kits. Gotcha. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so our first sort of efforts with the off-the-shelf FPGA were they worked, but the back of the console looked a bit of a mess. But you know, yeah. if people care <laughs> about that, why not? Why not do it for them? That's what we thought. But yeah, with you know a lot of those console mods now, uh, and I rightfully so, people are starting to get a lot pickier about how the installation looks because now that yeah. I mean, you know, the do-it-yourself guys have been doing this. I mean, since the consoles came out, but. Pretty much, uh, you know, anybody that's getting into the scene now, you know, I guess right when it started to get popular a few years ago, they all have consoles like mine that look like Swiss cheese in the back with huge holes in them <laughs> because they have, you know, they've already done five or six mods to them. So I think the, the quality of work is certainly, you know, people expect a high standard nowadays and rightfully so. Me personally, well, yeah. I try not to cut any plastic at all just because I know, <laughs> I know five years from now something else is going to come out and I'm going to have to yeah. be staring at that hole, so... That's, that's certainly happened on my Genesis when it went to the Switch this month. But, you know, you can always have a console to... to can't you? So if you don't care about this one GameCube, then why not chop it up? But with the new board, we wanted to make it much neater and, and tidier. And we didn't expect it to take this long to develop, frankly. So. Yeah, everything always uh, everything always takes a lot longer than people expect. <laughs> yeah. So um, you were also heading up the open source scan converter project, the OSSC, right? As long, I mean, the the sales for that, I guess. Yes, yes, it's been been quite hectic. Yeah, I can imagine because that's uh, you know, from somebody that's had to deal with a lot of these sales and a lot of these small to bigger volumes, I don't, I could personally say that there's a lot more involved in this than most people understand. And it's, uh, you know, people think, oh, yeah, well, we'll just make a list, just do that, and it's all done with. But I don't think people seem to realize, your average person might not realize how much extra work goes in. So it's, uh, it certainly is a little maddening. I know for, for me personally, small things, like, I would have to say under 100, just keeping a list, I think I'd be fine with. I certainly did that with the, the G-SCART switch when I, helped, um, when I helped Super G out with that one, but anything more is uh, pretty crazy. So I guess you're, you're relying on a mailing list system for that? Yeah, luckily the experience I'd got with WordPress came in handy because I knew what plugins to stick in and I'd automatically get myself a email newsletter. So anyone who signs up for that is automatically on the waiting list, so that's all automatically managed and I can send out updates to everyone saying hey you know it's only going to be a couple more months or new firmware out or whatever and when it comes to time to sell them i can download that whole list and just fire off emails to people it does sound like it automates a good portion of it then yeah the the, the only manual part really is sending out the invites because i've not 
figured a way yet of saying only email like the first 50 people on the list. There doesn't seem to be the functionality in the plugin to do that because probably nobody's ever asked him for it. So. so is that just a short-term thing or is that, um, you know, is that going to be just the way the OSSC is sold? Well, I think once I've got through the list, I should probably get through the list next time we order a batch, so in the new year, and then after that, I'll just put them on general sale. If I sort of get like a couple of hundred, put them on general sale, and it goes completely crazy, then maybe I'll stagger it a bit because, I mean, I've been to the post office that much this week. They sort of all know me by name. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny thing when you uh, when, when you walk into the post office with that many boxes. I remember, yeah. you know, wheeling in, um, I think I had 50 of the G-SCART switches, and I wheeled in, and all the people's eyes bugged out of their head, and they went, they already have labels on them, right? <laughs> yeah, you're just going to wheel them right in your back, you're fine. So I started to get to know the people at the actual, um, the, uh, the shipping warehouse, so I just went to where all the trucks were and put them all in the bin. But, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. You know, it's it's kind of funny because I guess, uh, you know, all of us partner sites that do kind of similar things, you know, we all have to, that old saying, you know, uh, you're not your brother's keeper, right? But because as soon as I put up the OSSC review, I probably get still five or six emails a week going, but why can't I buy it? I don't understand. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, always I mean, the same thing. Like, well, you know, you got to get on the mailing list, but, you know, I think, I don't know, I think you posted a stat up there that really shocked me, and I don't know... I don't know what this means, but I think you said you had sent out like uh, 500 invites and 100 people out of that bottom or something. Yeah, no, it was slightly more than that. Um, for the first 100, I think we had about 40% of the people buy them who put the name down. I mean, you can register for the newsletter just if you're just interested in the project. You're not necessarily going to buy one. Oh, okay, okay. I think that's where a lot of the misunderstanding was because that's um. I, I, I've been having to feel a lot of these things. I stopped for a while there. You were probably getting a million emails from people because I would just say, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta ask Matt what the status is. But <laughs> now I just tell him I send him the link to your mailing list page. Yeah, but as we got sort of further down the list, that's people who've registered more recently. It's actually gone up to around thirty to forty percent of the people who are mailing are buying one. So. I don't think I'll get to the end of the waiting list this time, but I should do next time. And anyone who doesn't reply, I give a second chance again as well next time it comes around. Gotcha. Yeah, that's something I wish we as a community could try to find a better solution for. Because it's the same thing, you know, with the G-SCART switch. Um, instead of a mailing list, he just opens up sale pre-orders. And then he usually leaves the pre-order sale open for a week or two. So I think it was almost two and a half weeks last time or something. And then inevitably, as soon as he closes the pre-sale, there's 20 people really pissed off that they didn't get to be on the yeah. list. Yeah. And it's, you know, Kickstarter's good, but to, to create a new Kickstarter with every batch, it seems like too much trouble and it's worth. I wish they had like a, a, repeat, a repeat thing where, you know, because with PayPal, the, a few of the hard things with PayPal, not only just keeping everything together and making sure that, you know, you go back and market, use their shipping, but they also have that 60-day, uh, I think it's 90-days refund thing. So, you know, it's kind of a scary thing taking people's money. Then you take all those people's money and something goes wrong, you can't just refund it after 90 days. You actually have to send them the money, and then you yourself has to pay the PayPal fee. So if you were to take people's money as a, as a pre-order, and you know, let's say it's $10 and you get 100 of them, so it's 1000 bucks, and then you can't, you, know, you can't refund it. You actually have to pay each person manually back that money, and then you lose it. So it's, even if everybody gets their money back and nobody gets ripped off, you end up getting screwed. So it's... It's kind of a hard thing. And with a lot of these pre-orders, I mean, all of us know what it's like to deal with some of these manufacturers. You know, you can get everything done and, you know, it's missing one part, so it's delayed three weeks. Or if you get a prototype back and there's a problem, it could be delayed two months just getting back in line and, you know, wherever your assembly house is. So, Well, two things to that. First of all, we can't take PayPal anymore because they decided for some reason that, that we were, like, doing illegal mods because we dared to sell super cics or something <laughs> it it seems totally random i mean you'll, you'll go on ebay and they'll be like mod chipped ps3s that, that just sell and then and then they'll crack down on a 
like region free Mega Drive. Yeah, I never really understand how that works either. Uh, it just seems completely random. But anyway, the single does it out. So, luckily at the time, Marshall was doing the N64 HDMIs, and he said he'd been um, singled out by PayPal as well because they thought that wasn't some sort of mod chip. So he said, "Why don't you use Stripe? They're much more reliable, and they don't sort of randomly freeze your account." So that's what we've been using. As for sort of taking people's money in advance, um, it definitely is something I'm a little bit uneasy about. I mean, I don't know what the tax ramifications would be of taking sort of 500 lots of £150 as a pre-order. And as you say, things get held up. We had one customer who insisted on sending in her GameCube ready for the HDMI mod. And that's been delayed like four or five months. So every so often she emails me and she's like, Hey, any any progress yet? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's um because it's thing you know from somebody who's sit, sat behind the scenes and done it. Yeah, you know any way that's e- the middle ground that's easy for everybody is got to be the right way. But as a huge fan of this stuff, like I, you know I, you know as a, as a greedy retro nerd, I want it now. You know what <laughs> I mean? And I was lucky enough to get one because uh, right away. But at the same time, it's. You know, I would love to start recommending these, and I just, uh, I don't know, we should all put our heads together and find a way to do this that, that kind of, you know, having, um, what do they call that, like a, a middleman service, like, um, uh, the name is slipping me, sorry, but uh, um, an escrow service like that, you know, like oh, yeah. Kickstarter or something, um, so you don't have to worry about fees like that is always a good thing, you know, something with a longer limit, like six months. Hmm. But, oh, this, it's... Certainly worth looking into, I guess. Because I think the biggest complaint that I get is, you know, I don't. It's actually, I think, one of the main reasons people watch my uh, weekly podcast is because a lot of people just have busy lives and don't have time to deal with, you know, responding to emails or you know, being open for a pre-order. They'd rather just say, "All right, cost two hundred. Here's two hundred bucks. Get it to me in six months or a year, whatever." And you know, whenever it's <laughs> done, it's done. I just, I don't want to think about it anymore. It's just here's my money. Send it to me when it's ready. So. You know, right, I kind of don't blame them either because it's yeah, you know, life does get busier, but it's kind of a hard thing. I wonder, you know, I wonder if anybody's ever actually tried to reach out to Kickstarter and see if they'd be open to do anything like that. I imagine larger companies don't want to do anything outside of the boundaries that they already do. You know, yeah, you sort of think how Amazon do your pre-orders—they don't actually take your money, do they? They just sort of get your card details and have it there. Right. To have the infrastructure in place like that would be expensive for me. I have looked briefly at it. That, yeah, but that also that also opens up kind of a scary thing. Is what if the day that Amazon charges your card for something expensive is the day before payday, and all of your bills <laughs> for last month were just paid, and your checks coming tomorrow, and you know now your bank account overdrafts because you bought something on Amazon six months ago and forgot it came out. So yeah. That's There's always, no 100% way of doing it, is there, really? No, I mean, it, with Kickstarter, I forgot. One of them you pay immediately, the other you pay when... Uh, I think it's Indiegogo you pay right away, and Kickstarter you pay when it's funded, or something like that. Mm. But I guess, you know, to do. I wonder if to do things... You know, I'll speak to Super G, too, maybe, but I wonder if to do something like, you know, G-Scar Switch Order Number 3. All right, it's funded... And as soon as that's funded, stop and do order number four. And as soon as that's funded, stop and just, yeah, that way you have different tiers. And I wonder how all that would work. And I wonder how Kickstarter's fees are based on, or compared to the different things, like the different stores that are, uh, you know, like Foxycart or um, or even PayPal. You know, I think the fees are higher, right? Well, we, we use Foxycart as our, our back end, and they're very, very reasonable. I mean, I think that's actually free up until... Um, well, you pay a flat fee, and then it's free up until a certain amount of transactions, and then it's quite a low fee after that. So they're pretty reasonable just for checkout. But the Foxy Cart, Foxy Shop thing we use has no mechanism for taking pre-orders at all. So, gotcha. Yeah, the more I started to look into this, you know, it's one of the many reasons I stopped selling anything from my site. It's just because <laughs> it, uh, you know, I don't mind helping out with any of the bigger projects, but just. 
even things like integrated sh integrating shipping into your cart is a little bit crazy. It's why, you know, for the, the one-off things that I sell, PayPal works for me still. But like you said, until they ban me for, you know, selling something strange. But Yeah, the um, I had to write the shipping code for my store in pretty much from scratch in PHP. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's... it's um, there was no code at all for doing Royal Mail. It was all... Um, USPS, so yeah, I basically took the code that they wrote and, and modified it. Gotcha. So, um, what's coming up next for the for any products you have for the OSSC as well? I mean, I guess uh, were you talking about an audio add-on board for that? Yeah, that um, a bit of an exclusive for you. It um, there was an issue that made it more difficult to install because you basically had to wire up more points on the board, mm -hmm. something to do with the master clock and. Mark said, hey, you shouldn't need that. So he's actually looked at the firmware and changed that. So now they should be easier to install and we should be able to go ahead with with making those and offering them as an option if I can find someone who's willing to take on the job of fitting them. So that's something that, um, is that similar to the one that Bordy had released the design a while back or is that totally different? No, it's the, it is the one that he released. It's just, it's had, he released it, well, he tested it on his set up it worked then people sort of went out and people were like hey this doesn't actually work on very many things so it's they're like the community does tend to do it they've sort of figured it out and put their heads together and it's just coming together now so that's pretty cool i actually um i got one from him and i uh i just between the move and everything else i had no time for it i was going to try to do that within the next coming weeks uh, you know, now that I'm in a tiny little place, I have to rely on friends for this. But my buddy Phil lives in Brooklyn, and he has a full soldering station. He's got everything. I mean, he's got really great equipment. Absolutely. So I'm going to try to go over there. But I think for a while, Bordy was supporting with his own firmware. And I think I was just reading on the forums today that Marks has it. Uh, in, um, I think he's going to be releasing two firmwares with every revision, one without audio and one with. All right. Um, I know he's going to merge them into like a common thing so there isn't like a, a Borty firmware and a Marx firmware anymore so yeah that's that's what's going to happen but I, I thought they were all going to be in the same firmware and if you didn't have the audio board the those bits were just redundant but um oh, yeah that would be cool. combined, yeah so have you tested many of the like the dvi to hdmi cables are all the pins there so that all you just need one of those adapters or do you need a special dongle for that to get audio mm -hmm. after this board is installed uh, you should just need the simple adapter. Cool, because I have one of the um, I have one or two of DVI to HDMI cables, but I've never been able to test it with audio because I've never had a DVI port that had audio built into it. So I'm looking forward to testing that then. All right, um, a lot of the PC graphics cards will do it. You can just hook up the DVI straight to your TV through that cable and and send the audio as well. Huh. So um, it's certainly supported. A lot of people say, oh, no, you can't do it through DVI, but, yeah, it, it is supported. Oh, cool. So do they just populate all the pins then, and then it's just that's it? That's all how they do it? or? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's, it's just, just a matter of that. Hmm. And um, so all you're waiting for uh, for that audio board for sale, do you have to have those boards manufactured, or are you just waiting for somebody to do the installation service? We've got a small number of, of prototype ones, that um, we're probably going to fit ourselves or sell ourselves. And then after that, I'm thinking it's probably going to need to be, they were sort of hand-assembled. I think after that, it's probably going to need to be manufactured if there's going to be big enough demand for it. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where we go from there. And do you have an approximate price? And I, I would assume prototypes are going to be more expensive than final, obviously, because they're more expensive to purchase, but... Well, you'd think that, but then these companies that do the assembly charge, well, it, it's all economies of scale, isn't it? To, to get somebody to hand-assemble a few is cheaper than getting a big company to do it, but when you get to bigger volumes, then... Right, yeah. I don't really want to commit to say what the price is at the moment, to be honest. No, that's fair, because, you know, you've got you to figure out yourself how much it's going to cost you to do yeah. it. Yeah. So availability, I guess, would be, you know, a couple of months or something? <laughs> Again, I don't like to commit, but yeah, hopefully in the new year. Gotcha. So it's called the open source scan converter, and I know he has the firmware open source, but uh, are there plans yet 
to actually make the hardware uh, uh, to release the Gerbers and everything? We're a little bit reluctant to release the Gerbers because we just think the Chinese are going to clone it straight up, to be honest. But yeah, everything else is already released, so... Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, it's just... Uh... The only thing I was thinking of is that I've been talking to a few different people, uh, different modders around the world, actually, that were looking to do analog to digital devices. And uh, they had started pretty much making their own style of, you know, OSSC. Uh, and, I would, you know, they had all mentioned, like, hey, you know, I thought it was open source. I'd love to just use Mark's idea and implement it right into my thing and, you know, give him credit, obviously. But that way it's a one-to-one -one thing, so... Oh no, it's uh, almost a little misleading because the firmware is open source, but not the hardware. Well, all the hardware is pretty much open source. If, if you really do need the Gerbers and you have a word with Mark, so he'll probably send them to you. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but we'd rather sort of do it like like that on a sort of you know special permission basis rather than just stick them up on the web, and we end up getting the the Chinese open source scan converter. No, that, that actually makes total sense. And just, you know, having like a, a handshake deal, like, you know, use this for your project, throw some credit my way, but don't don't post these anywhere online for that exact reason. So Yeah, I mean, it's not just us being greedy. and We I mean, we are supporting these things as well. And if it's clones start coming onto the market and people want support for clones as well. It's... Well, I really hope it didn't, my, my comment didn't come across that way because, you know, first and foremost, you guys have both invested a ton of time and money into this. So there's got to be at least a small exclusivity period where you guys are the only ones selling them because how else are you going to fund anything else that you're working on? So I certainly wouldn't call it greedy if you just said, no, we, you know, we made these, we're selling them, that's it. Uh, I just was commenting on the, the open source part. So sorry if it came across that way. Right, no, not, not at all. But I mean, some people will they'll just jump to that conclusion that, that it's just purely based on that. But well, some people jumped to that conclusion with the G-Scart switch. They were they were upset that Super G didn't just put the Gerbers up. So it was uh, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. But hey, you know, to each his own. You can't please anybody, I guess. Well, absolutely, yeah. So um, what's up next then? Uh, do you have new products that you're going to be showcasing through your site? Is there new updates for, you know, OSSE for anything pretty much? What's next on the horizon? Uh, there are some firmware updates for... OSSC coming. Um, maybe an open source down converter as well, like your, um, what do they call I've got the name of them now. Extra like the, Emotia. Emotia. Yeah. That's a possibility. Um, and yeah, we've got some bits coming up. We're going to be doing the PSIO mod chipboard installs, hopefully. If you could find them. <laughs> well, I actually got one. Oh, you, you were able to get one from the last batch? Da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm still waiting for mine. Um, yeah, and I, I guess there's uh, there's still concern over who's going to be working on the firmware for that and everything as well. Yeah, but um, since I've got one, I thought I'll send that along to the modder and we can offer that as a service and hopefully carry on doing the N64 HDMIs. Hopefully the GameCube HDMI will get there eventually. Yeah, any word on the N64 HDMI stuff? Because I think Marshall went dark for a little while and wasn't really uh, wasn't really responding to anybody. He changed manufacturers, and they've come through to him, and they all need hand reworking. There's a fault with all of them, so that's oh what's happening at the moment. Yeah. Oof. Okay, that stinks. So yeah, he's probably not best pleased with with that choice. But um, to go back to the open source uh, down converter. Um, is I, I'd seen Marks talking about that on the forums, but was there any more like behind the scenes stuff? Uh, you know, did he is he working on a prototype, or is it just like a proof of concept still, and no real plans to go uh, past that? Yeah, I think it's basically at that stage at the moment. But he seems to think it wouldn't take all that much to to do it with having done the open source up converter, if you like. Gotcha. Yeah, that's um, that's much more of a, a niche product. Um, so you're, I'm, I would imagine that you're going to sell a lot less of those, but the people that you're going to sell them to are definitely going to want them. Maybe that, maybe that's the one to mm. experiment on a new pre-order thing because, uh, you know, you're not going to see the volumes that you'd see out of the the upscaler. But it's still a really handy product, and I think a lot yeah. of people that um, like, especially for things like uh, 
you know, any of the newer devices. Like, I guess even that Neo Geo... Uh, God, what was that? Off the Neo Geo X, the awful <laughs> yeah, yeah. thing that came out. I mean, oh, something like that. Yeah. yeah, you could pump that right through it and then get it right into you know RGB monitor and have it look pretty authentic. So. Yeah, even even sort of. Um, I mean, I saw someone do something pretty cool with with their Emotia, and they got what's the indie game Axiom Verge, and and they they managed to get that through the Emotia with scan lines, and it actually looked really really good. Oh yeah, so, I did. I did that as well, but it's just—it's a nightmare of daisy chaining. You know, you got to get. <laughs> the, uh, I think I used. I actually, I did it a couple different ways. I did uh, my Wii directly into the BVM using 720p HDI to SDI converter, and then I tried 480p component directly in, and that was cool. But then component to VGA to the Emotia to the other one to get true 240p. So you know it's uh, it's annoying. You have many different devices that you got to pump it through in order to get it working that way. So having one little box would certainly be a lot better. Yeah, and it's certainly have its uses, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, man. Well, anything else that I'm forgetting to mention? Anything else on the horizon? Um, you were going to tell me something about these RGBA bypasses for the Mega Drive Genesis. Oh, yeah, that's right. So um, there's two different people working on them. Um, Alex, Arcade TV, he had those boards that uh, that you and I both had for a while, and they were great. There was nothing wrong with those at all. It's just, uh, you know, Alex loves to make uh, his hobby projects and then kind of just move on to the next thing and kind of give it to the community for us to, to improve upon, or not necessarily improve upon, but tweak, I guess. So that's pretty much exactly what happened. Um, you know, we looked at that with a few people and did a new bypass board, and uh, I don't think I'm letting the cat out of the bag because he's already posted on Twitter, but DB Electronics is having one come out in a few months that's got a bunch of features integrated into it, but it's the same size, so that's going to be pretty exciting for people yeah. that want a full bypass. And then uh, Voltar, he talked a few weeks ago on the podcast as well about his, which essentially is doing a bypass, but using the chip that's in the Genesis already to do it. So uh, the actual video chip, you lift the pins off the board, you go through his board through a correction, uh, I guess a correction circuit is probably the better way to put it because a lot of the um, circuits on the Genesis board are kind of a nightmare. And then uh, you lift the input pins on the amp that's actually built onto the board and put it into that. So you're essentially bypassing the entire motherboard but using the chip that's already on there. So um, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yes, that's supposedly to give more authentic colors or um the chips the THS 7374 and then the Sony CXA chip they're both excellent amp chips they just look different um then the CXA processes it slightly different so uh, to me personally i mean this is just an opinion but i would probably get both because i'm i'm nuts like that want to test them both and just <laughs> use whichever one my eyes preferred to use and that might actually be different through an upscaler than on an rgb monitor as well um you could look at it from the other point of view in that you know uh, sega put a sony chip in there so the sony chip's the one you're supposed to use uh and a lot of people think that way and there's nothing wrong with that at all it's you know it's true but I've seen the opposite. I've seen people put the Sony CXA chips in a Super Nintendo and use that to amplify it. So, you know, you could, uh, I guess, you know, whichever one. But I I think what I would definitely recommend when I get both boards in for testing is, you know, as long as they both perform as advertised, which I, I can't imagine that they won't, just to choose whichever is best for your scenario. So, you know, you have an older Genesis, you already have all the adapter cables, maybe just... The uh, Voltar's Mega Video Board would probably be perfect. I, I couldn't imagine why you would need anything else. But, you know, if you have uh, something that, uh, you know, m maybe even one of the chips is bad on it, using the other bypass would would work better as well. So I guess that's just to each his own. But uh, the Mega Video Board should be ready for sale by the end of this month, by the end of November. Um, and I'm not really sure about the other one, but... Right, um, right. Voltar will be selling his, and DB Electronics will obviously be selling the other one. So, but yeah, I'm excited for both because they they both uh, will solve very specific problems for people, and both both fix the jail bar issues. Yeah, you can bet. While we're doing that, there's probably an emulator author somewhere busy trying to code jail bars back into the emulator to make it a little more authentic. That's funny. You know, it's uh, there's a couple of um, of conversations going on in the forums about stuff like that where it's. 
well, what's uh, you know, what's the correct way? Are you supposed to watch it on a crappy TV, or you know, is mm -hmm. a BVM too sharp for that? And I just, I mean, to each his own. But I can't imagine wanting to go back and seeing jail bars, or wanting to go back and seeing fuzz. You know? No, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. The only thing that I do enjoy is on the uh, on the monitors themselves. I actually like scan lines because that's how they were designed to be viewed. So these blocky, you know, you're stretching this tiny little image, you know, to 1080p, and you get the blocky characters on your flat screen. When you run those in the original resolution with scan lines, uh, the lines themselves kind of act like a. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but it makes it look, it makes it look higher resolution because you don't notice that it's blocky because the blocks, the scan lines run through where the the different pixels are. Yeah. yeah. So I certainly prefer that, but that's. That's as far as I would go with making it look retro. I certainly don't want, you know, CRT bloom or any kind of blurriness. So. No, well, some of those things are kind of cool to play with, but I, I I like to put a little bit of curvature on my emulator screen as well, just to give it that whole CRT feel. But mm. I, I, I don't do an awful lot of, um, of tinkering with it, but it's all good fun. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for getting on, and uh, I'm sure I'll have you back on eventually because uh, we're both usually involved in a lot of the same projects. So uh, I'll talk to you soon, and uh, it's videogameperfection.com for anybody who wants to go visit. No worries. I shall carry on putting in my tracking numbers. So. <laughs> Quite a few, as you can see. <laughs> All right. Take care, Matt. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Cheers. Bye.